Black Robotics. Welcome to Fundamentals of Chefery. In this story, I would like to share with you guys about the t- share with you guys an experience that I had, as I usually do. You know, these are personal stories from one chef's perspective. But I would like to share a story with you that has to do with my college years in Alabama. Back then, I was a pretty much the same chef. You know what I'm saying? But I was a different guy. You know, I had different hairstyles. I dressed differently. And the types of things that I was focused on, rather than the chef set, creativity, things related to speech and writing and drawing. I was just an engineering student, and I was focused on engineering projects. So this story is the story related to when I tried to found a black robotics team at a black college. When I graduated from high school, I was a part of this uh, junior fraternity, the Sigma Beta Club. It's kind of like the baby brothers of Phi Beta Sigma. And because I was in this club, actually, I was the president of the club, to be real. You know what I'm saying? But because I was in this club, I was exposed. I was forced to go to the Black College Expo. If you haven't heard of this, it's kind of like a a college recruitment fair, except uh, the special feature of it is that they do acceptance on the spot. So there's a bunch of black people around, a bunch of booths. And there are several black colleges. I don't know how many of them there really are. But um, let's say like in the range of 20 black colleges. And um, if your grades are good enough and your test scores are high enough, like I took the ACT, I slept through the SAT, so <laughs> I should have taken both. But if your scores were high enough, they could accept you on the spot with a scholarship of a certain degree, depending on whatever your scores categorize you as. So based off of my grades and my scores, I couldn't get a full ride, but I got a almost full ride. I think I still had to pay room and board for a school I ended up attending, Tuskegee University, founded by Booker T. Washington. Crazy history. Um, Booker T. Washington was an ex-slave who became like a super intellectual slash businessman, if you don't know about that. But um, yeah, I ended up uh, attending the school because of this whole thing. I, was, I wasn't going to go to the Black College Expo anyway. I didn't care about it. I was more interested in like UCLA and Berkeley. But because I was a part of that club, I kind of got exposed to this shit. And then I realized, like, oh, I could be uh, one. I mean, amongst other things, I could actually become an engineer, which is another discussion. But at the time, I was in this UCLA program that was designed for black people, where uh, all the mentors were people who used to be STEM majors who transferred into African-American studies. So I was like, can you even can black people even study STEM at like these major colleges? Like, what's going on? You would ask people like, hey, what's your, what's your major? African-American studies. What's your major? African-American studies. African-American studies. And it's like, all you niggas just love African-American studies? What was your major when you got in? Oh, biology. Oh, chemistry. Oh, physics. And I was like, ah, oh, this is some bullshit. This is some shit. You, you niggas are trying to play me. You're acting like you love this thing when what's more likely the story is you got forced into it or weeded out or some other shit. You didn't make the qualifications because your high school didn't prepare you. No shame in that, but don't try to bring me into that same bullshit. So anyhow, these were kind of the factors that contributed to me going to the black college to study. Uh, Originally, I went to study mathematics, but then I was persuaded into studying electrical engineering because I thought, well, at least if I go here, first of all, it's almost a free ride, which turned out to become a free ride. 
And second, there's a good chance I'll actually leave with an engineering degree and work as an engineer in the real world rather than go to some school for the prestige and then end up getting fucked over into African-American studies. And now I got to live the rest of my life as an African-American with the African-American studies degree. Nigga, you know, I don't want to be that dude. So um, anyhow, I ended up going to this black college and, um, you know, I had, I had a bunch of weird thoughts about it. I thought that it, it wasn't really as rigorous as it could have been, but I also thought they were really good at the practical side, which was getting people jobs. So I was like, okay, this is an interesting balance. And my, after my freshman year, I did pretty well. I ended up getting an internship at a NASA center, not with NASA, with a contractor, but it was the Marshall Space Flight Center in uh, Huntsville, Alabama. The first NASA center, by the way. So, uh, yeah, I worked there and... Uh, Pretty cool, pretty fun. I felt like I'm moving along in my engineering life. And the last day of that internship, I saw something that kind of changed the way I thought about engineering school. Um, I saw these students who were working on a project, like my project was mostly statistical, but there were other students there. Obviously, NASA hires a lot of different undergrads to do internships. And this particular group of students was working on model rockets with Arduino Unos. And uh, so they like launched a model rocket in front of me. And then when the rocket landed, then they uh, plugged in some little weird chip looking thing into their computer. And then within a matter of a few minutes, they were able to generate these graphs for different things related to the rocket's trajectory. So uh, I just, it blew me away. I'd never seen anything like that. I just like a baby computer strapped to some 3d. Oh, by the way, the, the model rocket was 3d printed. So, um, seeing this baby computer strapped to the side of a 3D printed rocket thing launched and then this data extracted to me was kind of like the beginning of um, turning the physical world into the world of data. And keep in mind, I was a math student and one of the things that attracted me was writing mathematical models for things in the real world. But I had no idea, one, how to do that, but two, how I would even extract data from the real world. So I saw these microcontrollers as like, oh, this is like, obviously an easy place to start is just do basic physics stuff and figure out how to how to work from there you know so when i saw it i was just thinking man this is so dope this is so crazy then i went back to school and i realized that the labs you know the the way students were thinking about the world more in terms of like getting hired by a corporation than in terms of developing engineering skills all of that kind of, it didn't sit with me well. And one of the things that I felt was that, well, it contrasted so much with seeing someone who wasn't a professional actually do something in the real world of data, right? I mean, think of 3D printing as kind of like going from the world of imagination to the physical world. And um, the, what they were doing with the Arduino was kind of like a way of taking the physical world and turning it into data. So it, in both directions, it was far more fascinating than just talking about, you know, which, which companies you would like to work for and not really focusing on the details of engineering, you know? So I was more geeky than a lot of these students. So anyhow, uh, I decided to start experimenting myself. And I, to be honest, I started experimenting before I even had my real critiques of the engineering program there. I bought my own Uno. They're cheap, you know, less than $30, $20. I don't know. And uh, it all started with LEDs, making them blink, learning the programming language, etc. But for those who aren't familiar, 
a, a simple way of thinking about a microcontroller, which is the device that I ended up playing with the most, is to think of it as something that coordinates inputs and outputs. So like when you press a button and a light turns on, you, so you have to program in, okay, when you get this signal, pressing the button means something electrically, from an electric perspective to the microcontroller. Maybe it means increasing resistance or something of that nature, opening a circuit. So when that button is pressed and it goes into this particular input number three, then if the LED is in output number seven, make sure the LED turns on in this way or things of that nature. But basically it's tying up inputs and outputs with directions. So uh, I started experimenting with that, and eventually I got confident enough to approach some of the engineering clubs and uh, tell them, hey, I think that a part of what we should be thinking about, besides like helping each other with homework or um, giving each other career advice and, uh, you know, a number of other things that they did, throwing parties, uh, although I, don't, I didn't think they did that well. <laughs> uh, I think we should also be working on engineering projects on a small scale because I think uh, these things are kind of new. I think that if we just go off of tradition and we say, let's just do what everyone did last year, then, well, if they've done that for the last 10 years, they may never have like updated their idea of what's possible now. And I know for a fact these things are cheap and they're interesting and they're fun. So, you know, maybe my idea was, hey, it'd be super cool to bring this part of my NASA experience back to kind of a school that had a kind of antiquated um, engineering program. So uh, they didn't really, they didn't love it, but they said, hey, we do have access to some funds. So if you talk to our advisor, maybe they can help fund whatever idea you're thinking of went to the advisor and the advisor said, great, you got to join a competition. So I found some competition and she said, okay, you have access to this amount of money, build your team. And um, that was basically how I got, how I got started uh, founding this robotics team. So I forgot the details of the competition, but I'm pretty sure the only real constraint was that we had to use their microcontroller. It was the Digilent Design Contest. And Digilent is a company that uh, manufactures microcontrollers. So uh, the Digilent chip was pretty much the same as the Arduino, so it wasn't really that difficult learning how to the new language and things of that nature. So I thought, okay, let's just come up with a project. And the original project was super ambitious. Keep in mind, I'd never done anything like this before. I was not a part of the rocket launch team at the NASA thing. I was not a part of any project management position ever for engineering ever. <laughs> But I said, okay, this is what we going to do. You know what I'm saying? I watched a TED talk the other week where a bunch of people were, <laughs> a bunch of people were flying around quadcopters. So, you know, I feel like that's where we should start quadcopters. So, uh, one of the funny things about it, it's like the bigger your project is, the easier it is to recruit people. I think for, for, for a lot of engineering projects, because people are, are just more excited to be about a part of some, to be a part of something that they think is dope. But, um, the other side of that is you actually got to be able to build that shit, which I was not able to do. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I told people, Hey, you niggas, you know, you know what I'm saying? I went to the different engineering clubs again, this time pitching, you know, Hey, you guys want to join me to build some shit. You niggas want to, you niggas just want to sit on your ass all day. 
or do you want to join me and be a part of a revolution in this engineering program? And of course, most niggas just laughed at me. <laughs> Who does this nigga think he is, bro? I can't believe this nigga, bro. Ah, this nigga think he about to build something. Nobody from Tuskegee builds nothing. <laughs> Which is kind of a fucked up joke. Ah, but anyhow, uh, you know, most people just laughed. But then a few people decided to join. Now, I don't know why this is the case, but it was the Jamaicans that decided to join. <laughs> some reason for some reason at tuskegee university when i was there all the there were two things all the jamaicans hung out together and they all played tennis <laughs> apparently it was like it was one of those things maybe it's like see it as high class in jamaica to play tennis but uh the jamaicans joined two of them in particular and uh you know yeah, that was the team. It was me and these two other guys, and we were just on a mission to build this quadcopter and to do this competition. So we started in fall. The competition was supposed to be in January. We got the parts. We had we were way under budget, so it was great. Um, kept checking in with the advisor, giving her updates. Basically, it was going extremely slow. If you've ever done project management, you know it's always like way slower than you expect, especially when you have a zero experience. But, uh, you know, we chugged along and a lot of people were fucking around. But, <laughs> you know, we, we, we almost got something done. And then uh, what really helped was clutch. Within the last month, or maybe within the last couple of weeks, we had a new member. The computer scientist. Oh, this dude shouts out to him. Jonathan Williams. Ended up going to uh, Vanderbilt for his PhD. I don't know if he even got a master's or if he continued on to get his PhD or if he just didn't go at all. But the last thing I heard from him, he was going to get his PhD. So shouts out to this dude. But uh, he was a computer science guy that was kind of like me. When his whole time there, he felt like there weren't enough projects that people were doing. So when he heard that there were engineering students getting together to work on a project, he just jumped on top of it. And he immediately on day one contributed um, you know, we had a bunch of little tasks. We would have meetings and we had a little Google Sheets and assign little tasks to each person. Um, of course, most people wouldn't do them. <laughs> so we would we'd say, okay, we're doing this together. And then when we go home, we're all going to do some stuff too. And then we do some stuff together and then go home and almost no one would do anything on their own. So then we just had to organize more and more meetings. But Jonathan immediately contributed and, um, it actually, the Jamaicans ended up dropping out, you know, maybe they were just, uh, a part of me felt like they were only there to just laugh at me when I failed. Like they didn't even really want, they didn't even really want to help build it with me. But I don't know why I feel that way. That's just me. And maybe I'm just in my feelings. So anyhow, um, me and Jonathan ended up, uh, when the competition finally came around, I think the, this contest was hosted by Rensselaer polytechnic i don't know how to uh pronounce it um but it, it's some school in new york and um it was okay for us to just skype in we didn't have like a travel grant so uh basically we you know on the up to the moments before we entered our little design we kind of had to duct tape some stuff to a breadboard and cross a couple of wires i mean we knew in concept everything worked but basically we just made some something that uh it, it wasn't the full project by any stretch of the imagination. We were trying to make a quadcopter that could drive. And what we ended up making was a shitty car. 
<laughs> with no flying capabilities whatsoever. Um, I think we had some incompatibility issues with some of the propellers and some of the, uh, I forgot the name of them, but basically something that, that takes a normal, uh, current and breaks it into a three phase thing. But, but anyhow, uh, we couldn't, it couldn't be built. So we just, we just Skyped in and showed whatever we had, you know, with our little, we kind of dressed up a little bit for the Skype <laughs> and submitted it. And that was like, you know, that was our actual competition experience that was from just, you know, the idea of, Hey, maybe we should, um, maybe Tuskegee should be doing something similar to what I saw at NASA to, okay, we went through the whole process of like going through the system to get money, joining a competition and then Skyping in. That was like the beginning and end of that part of the story. Um, but to me, the, the far more interesting part, <laughs> the far more interesting part of it was like, the second half because there are a bunch of weird things. So first of all, the advisor that helped us out ended up getting fired pretty quickly. Either she got fired, laid off, or she just dipped out because they were harassing her in some kind of way. And it was like foreshadowing what I would see for the rest of the time there. But it almost seemed like some of the best professors were the ones who were under the most smoke and I really didn't understand it. It's like all the ones who got crazy good reviews in teaching, they, they did, they actually did decent research and were acknowledged by the scientific community for their work. Those are the ones that kind of got shitted on. And like the way I found out about this was that I worked in the microelectronics lab doing, uh, 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 undergraduate research. And yeah, it was, it was, we would just talk about like some of the weird things that would happen. Like money would be gone from our account to pay for someone else, or we would try to travel and they'd restrict us for some weird reason. There was a time when I was supposed to go to Finland to, uh, to learn more about microelectronics from somebody that was in our research group from a different university. Um, it was like there was collaboration between a lot of universities. Like UC San Diego was one of them. Um, I used to want to go there actually because of that. And, but another one was in Finland. We were like collaborating with, in, with a group in Finland and Tuskegee fucked up my travel grant somehow. <laughs> so anyhow, I was like, man, this, this is weird. It's almost like they don't want us to win. But anyhow, uh, another thing worth mentioning is that I tried to found a club um, before any of this went down. Maybe it was at the same time that a lot of this was going down because the whole uh, process of me going into that competition was a subsidy. It was kind of underneath a club that already existed. But what I felt is that it would be best for something like this to be its own club because then they could manage the funds a lot more directly. So uh, I thought, yeah, it'd be dope to found a club. Now, meanwhile, while this is happening, I'm working, I'm doing undergraduate research and my professor pulls me aside and says, Hey, we're going to found a club. It's going to be a, a, like a undergraduate research type of thing. We're going to display, we're going to have an undergraduate research fair here. We already got the money for it and everything. Uh, I just need a student to be a part of it. You're like a proactive kid. You seem to be ambitious. I would like you to kind of be the head of this project. So I'm like, yeah, cool. I'm down with the research. I don't give a fuck. Um, so, uh, you know, we fill out all the paperwork. I go in, you know, to turn it in. I go to the main, like the head honcho's office, the main administration building. I forgot the name of it. I, I think the name of the building was literally the old administration building. 
Because <laughs> you got to understand, this is a historic school where the students built the bricks to build the original school. Like, that's how crazy this school story is. So some of these buildings have those original bricks. Um, and this was one of them. And anyhow, long story short, I go into the building and uh, everybody's fucking not happy to see me. <laughs> and uh, they're like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? You need to talk to Mr. Brown if you want to found a club. I'm like, okay. I filled out all the paperwork. I got a professor. We got like president, vice president, secretary already. Everything should be good. We're just ready to get this thing moving forward. And they're like, mm-hmm, okay, yeah, all right, whatever you say. And uh, I go to Mr. Brown's office, knock on the door. He's like, oh, yes, come in. And it's a it's a black dude with a bald head. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, you know, Mr. Brown, I see that there, there's a thousand jokes to be made here. But uh, I'm like, Mr. Brown, these are my papers, you know, hopefully everything's up to snuff. Um, I'm just going to drop these off and then leave and just contact us. Our emails are on there. Phone numbers are on there. And he's like, where do you think you're going? Sit down. And I'm like, huh? All right. I mean, anything you want to discuss, I'll be happy to answer questions. And he starts skimming through the pages. And the first thing he does is read out everything on the page. He's like, okay, so, uh, you know, do you make sure you have a, uh, professor and i said yep that's that's his signature right there he's like okay how about uh you know make sure you have this i'm like yes i sir i read it and filled it out i am aware of everything that's in there is there anything that you want to add to this you know that requires me to be here and then he uh he closes the packet and he looks at me and he's like uh, let me tell you something okay <laughs> And I'm like, oh, shit. And he's like, let me tell you something. You're not found in this club this semester. And I'm like, why not? And he says, uh, and I'm like, is there something that I did wrong, you know, on the paperwork or something? I don't understand what you're saying. And he says, <laughs> he kind of chuckles and he's like, listen, I got a stack of applications this high. And he does a little gesture on the table. And I don't think I'm going to make it to yours. And I'm just sitting in there and it's just us in the room. And I'm just like, hmm, okay. So you're going to, what you're telling me is that you see me, a young nigga at this black school who's trying to start a research-based club who already has all the money and all the advisors and everything you need to do it. And for some reason, you you feel that it is a good idea to delay that a semester. That's crazy to me. I'd really this was one of the first times that I was like, man, I just it's hard for me to believe that you're actively against me. If you work for my school and you don't even know me, how the fuck could you even hate on me? What have I done to you? But, you know, this was I think as a chef, that was an important moment in my life, you know, because it's important to understand that, like, whatever you think is a meal is not necessarily going to be something that everybody else thinks is a fucking meal. And there was there was no situation, I think, to this date that was that kind of blatantly clear and shocking for me. Even the dome story. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's why by the time I got into the domes, if you've heard those other podcasts, 
I'm not really as shocked as a normal person would be because I already been snaked in, in a number of ways, this being one of the most significant ones. So anyhow, uh, you know, I knew that there was a certain resistance to, I don't know what it is. I guess you could say creativity. I guess you could say pushing the boundaries or just doing something different. Um, I mean, to give it even more context, I'm from Southern California. And when I went out to Alabama, I brought my longboard with me. Later on, I ended up dating a girl and she was telling me a story of like, yeah, when I, when we first got here, I was talking to a lot of like the senior fraternity guys, you know, and you know how it is. The seniors always go after the freshmen, the hottest freshmen. And, uh, she said, one of them insulted me because he said, I can't believe you're talking to that skateboard guy. And I was like, wow, here being the skateboard guy is clearly a negative. Whereas where I'm from, it's just, it's just a norm, you know? It's not really something you could say to diss somebody. But I knew that there was a culture clash that was, that I was going to feel as far as like student to student. I just didn't realize that something like that could happen with the administration. Anyhow, I wanted to have my own club for this thing, but I knew that founding a club wasn't really the easiest thing because there were a lot of gatekeepers that really, for some reason, gave you a lot of resistance, um, regardless of what you were actually doing. Or maybe it was because of what I was doing. I don't know, to be honest. So, you know, at the same time, we had all these old parts because I had never built the quadcopter part of what was supposed to be the quadcopter car. So uh, what I ended up doing was just recruiting a team Without having any backing, I just w- would tell engineering students, "Hey, I'm do I'm building, I'm I'm going to be in this room trying to build a quadcopter pretty much every night from this time to this time. Please join me. We're going to leave the door unlocked. We're going to have food in there. We're going to have music playing. Please join me because I don't see anybody really. Even the senior design projects were kind of weak at the time, and I just felt like, hey, you know what, like." If I've seen shit that's better, that's not so expensive, and that's achievable by amateurs, there's no reason why we can't be doing that here. In fact, I felt some kind of an obligation to bring it there because I felt like as a black college, like black people in general, the stigma is intellectually we're always behind. Yeah, we excel when it comes to things like sports, you know, no question or entertainment. But intellectually, I think we have a lot of, uh, as far as the perception, we have a lot of catching up to do. And I think it would be beautiful to have a, a, like a real competitive team come out of a black college, specifically Tuskegee university, just cause I was there. And because I, I saw what was possible. So I just decided, you know what, I'm just going to recruit the team just straight up, just, just raw motherfuckers that I know from class, people that I see walking around, just geeks that I see around. Even if, I don't even know their major. I would invite people from computer science. I would com- invite people, even architecture students were coming through. At, at the height of this team, we had 15 people. We would meet two times a week and uh, we would just play around with the parts that we already had and categorize what was compatible with what and what we needed to replace so that we could get an estimate for how much money it would take to actually build this fucking thing. Um, long story short, we came up with some estimate. I think it was around 300 bucks. And I went to the department head and asked him directly, you know, hey, what's good? Can we use some money f- to build this shit? And uh, 
by the time this happened, similar to Mr. Brown, my own department head was hating on me. Again, I was working in the microelectronics lab and the professor that I worked under, he had beef with. There was some incident where um, this professor had, uh, the professor I worked with had presented his work to some funding agency and they complimented him. They said, hey, this is one of the best presentations that we've seen in a really long time. It might have been like the Department of Defense or something, like, you know, some government agency. And uh, the department had heard about this and called in my professor, or the one I worked with. And uh, long story short, he said, hey, you're getting a little bit too big for your shoes. You need to calm things down. I hear you're making a lot of noise in my department, and I don't like it. So it was a situation where a lot of petty stuff was happening even on the highest level, at least from what I've heard from this professor. I mean, so it was a situation where there was a lot of bullshit mixed in, and long story short, I tried to give money and got rejected. So that pretty much died off, you know. Um, and the team members, I still have relationships with those people, you know, that the 15 plus whoever that came through, because for a lot of them, that was like one of the highlights of them even going there as an engineering student was like, a lot of us felt like the school was so good at the internship side of things that they, they felt justified in lacking on the school side of things. So the theory was kind of weak. They weren't really training real thinkers. They weren't challenging us as much as we could have been challenged. And then the labs kind of sucked. But the internships were so dope that most people's education was at the company, which is actually not a bad business model, right? Um, so when they saw me, you know, working on stuff at school, it was really exciting for a lot of students who were a part of it. Um, and uh, like it was normal for some seniors to walk by and then poke their head in and say like, oh, wow, Finally, people are, are working on projects here. Like, I wish that if I wasn't busy, I would be working on this with you guys. Keep up, keep up the good work. This is what we should be doing. And it just, again, I think the whole black college aspect of it was like, I felt like a lot of students felt the same way that I felt, where it's like, hey, they're brilliant students here, but because of the way that we're being trained and being incentivized, we're never really we're not creating an environment where the black Steve Jobs can thrive. The black Elon Musk can thrive. We're creating an environment that kind of crushes those people into submission instead of celebrating their talents. And as a result, it's, it's, it's like we're creating kind of mediocre people in the world at large, even if they're really, really good people who work in engineering uh, jobs. There's, there's more to life than being a good worker. You also need to be able to imagine. You also need to be able to, to recruit teams and work with people um, on projects that aren't necessarily determined by a boss. You know, it, it's, it's a, it's, you got to be a general and a soldier. I think you should develop in both ways. And a lot of students felt this way. So they, that excited this part of them. Anyhow, uh, that whole project ended up getting ended. But in my microelectronics lab, one of the cool things that happened was uh, the last summer I was there, we bought four or five 3D printers, some insane number of 3D printers, and all of different types. And, you know, we were doing a lot of um, work with waveguides and sputtering and uh, certain things where 3D printed casings and uh, sometimes even 3D printed 
printed devices. Um, it was all in line with what we were doing. We didn't just buy it to fuck around. However, <laughs> everyone who worked in that lab with me immediately started fucking around with it. So um, I remember the first day we got those 3D printers. Um, it was just like a field day. Everybody was just trying to print something. We were in a lab of like six undergrads and two grad students. Actually, just one grad student. So uh, I started thinking about the robotics project. And I actually went back to the original thing that I took to the competition, um, which was just that kind of, uh, it was like an ultrasonic sensor controlled car or something. Based off of the distances around it, it would make certain decisions. And uh, I, I started thinking, well, at the time, we kind of were duct taping shit to breadboards. And it was this really sloppy setup. But now that I understand 3D printing a little bit better, similar to the project that originally inspired me, a 3D printed casing to something that has microcontrollers for decision making might be the correct direction. So that's kind of uh, the direction that I started talking about things in. In fact, that was that was when I had those 15 people. I was trying to promote this idea of like, Hopefully in the next 10 years, Tuskegee can have programs where 3D printing plus microcontrollers, we make a whole range of projects just from those because they're things that freshmen can immediately sink their teeth into. And it can really inspire them, regardless of which type of engineering they're in, it can inspire them to engage in creative problem solving. So, um, you know, anyhow around the same time that uh, the summer when we got these 3D printers, that's also the time where I started Chef of X Comics. Arguably, this is around the time where I was seeing like early stage psychotic behavior, like staying up several days in a row, et cetera, et cetera, but nothing dangerous at the time. So my creativity was kind of at a high. And um, anyhow, I, I ended up making a, a casing for my original project that I worked on with the Jamaicans and Jonathan and and the professor that ended up getting fired and or left. And um, I ended up, I never really interacted with the computer science department, but I met one of the professors there and he was very forward thinking. So uh, I ended up bringing him the final project uh, and said, hey, you know, um, I don't know if you're aware of this, but some of us have been working on microcontroller stuff, 3D printed stuff. And here's projects that I think even freshman students of computer science might be a little bit interested in, in the years to come. And he just loved it. And it was like, it was one of the first, it was one of the few times that I was out there in Alabama that like, I had done some project and, you know, obviously I had to go through the trials and tribulations of people quitting on me and like professor leaving and getting rejected for the money. But it was one of the few times where it was like, I showed something to someone and they immediately understood how dope it was. They're like, yes, 3D printing and microcontrollers. I can't believe there are students here doing this. I think everyone should be involved in this. Like, can you come speak to some of my classes? But by that time, I was getting ready to leave school anyway. I ended up leaving early uh, for some reasons outside of my control. Psychosis! And uh, so I never really got to, to get the tail end of that project, which would have been like, you know, instead of Mr. Brown fucking hating on me. And at the time, even the professor I was working with was kind of upset at me for good reasons, to be fair. But he was like, man, you're doing this microcontroller 3D printing shit, but 
you should be more worried about the GRE. You should be more worried about getting into a top grad school. Forget trying to help out other people at Tuskegee, like help yourself for the rest of your life was his whole attitude. He was like, man, you're brilliant. You don't need to be working on these side projects. Just go to an awesome school after this and that's enough. That'll contribute more. But I didn't really agree with him. I felt that, you know, there's, there's, I could be a ground troop too. And, um, so anyhow, that's kind of the, the, the idea behind, uh, this project. And part of what I wanted to share was that, you know, back when I was in Alabama, I really wanted to found this robotics team, but I fell short. You know, I tried to build a quadcopter, didn't work out. I tried to recruit a couple of teams of people. All of them eventually dwindled. You know, I tried to be a project manager. Yeah, we got somewhere, but it was mostly like doing shit last minute. But um, ultimately, there are some chef lessons in there. Like, I think one of the big ones for me was just dealing with Mr. Brown. That was the first time in my life, again, that I'd ever encountered someone that was clearly against me for something that I thought was 100% dope i didn't see any negative at all to him or anyone else and me starting this um undergraduate research uh club with my professor but obviously he disagreed and blatantly let me know and then another side is just uh, persistence right from the day that i saw the you know i was at the nasa center and i saw them launch that model rocket to the day that I was talking to the computer science professor, that was like a couple of years, maybe three years, but, and, you know, and under a bunch of different structures, some of it was solo work. Some of it was with different teams, but, um, just being persistent and in, in continuing toward the meal, I think was something that I really trained. And I think that's something I benefit from now to this day is having projects under my belt having done things over years already, having recruited teams and things of that nature already, um, those things make me a lot less hesitant to try it again. I'm a little bit more confident when I step up to the plate. And I know that there are going to be setbacks, but I don't, I don't assume that the setback's going to ruin the entire thing. Even if things don't go the way I plan, something is going to happen. And I'm pretty confident in that because of experiences like this. So on that note, to the chefs, keep cooking. For those of you who don't know, I've been making hip-hop music for a few years now, which I call Red Chef Music. At the end of these Fundamentals of Chefery episodes, I like to share a song that's relevant to the episode. As we all know, Elon Musk is one of the most famous serial entrepreneurs. He's admired by STEM majors because we relate to his first principles thinking and are inspired by his impact. He's a real chef. The song I've chosen gives a big shout out to Musk, but also references some of the meals I've cooked, including the NASA-inspired robotics teams that I spoke of in this podcast. Although I didn't in this episode, you should know that I usually pronounce my old school Tuskegee University with an R instead of a T as a protest against some of the petty events I've mentioned in this podcast. Without further ado, this song is called Musk, and I hope you enjoy. 
Meditation is a must. Mathematicians don't stunt. Kitchen living since Russ Gigi. Cooking like Elon Musk. 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 Go ahead, call my bluff. bluff. Really like the science stuff, man. Science. Valley med and handcuffs. Uh. Canine acting tough. Oh. Donut coffee mug. Damn near fell in love. Oh. Arduino at NASA. Remember that? Oil money club. Remember that? Cooking like Elon Musk. Uh. 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 I'm cooking like Elon Musk. Ooh. I'm cooking like Elon Musk. Ooh. I'm cooking like Elon Musk. Ooh. I'm cooking like Elon Musk. That's Meditation is a Meditation must. is a Mathematicians must. Mathematicians don't stop. Kitchen living since Kitchen Rusty. Kitchen living since Rusty. Cooking like Elon Musk. Cooking like Elon Musk. Cooking like Elon Musk. Cooking like Elon Musk. You know what I'm saying? You feel me, smell me, it's the chef gang, red chef, chef, meditation is a must. Mathematicians don't stop. Kitchen living since Rusty. Cooking like Elon Musk.